That's totally true. So providing context, because you don't know this, but we're already in the show. Um, yeah, that, that's how we roll now. See, I used to warn people, but then people were on guard. And now we just start talking. And at wow. a certain point, I just cut off all the stuff before that. So 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 no one is going to going to hear about the the video about corn, um, not the band. A shame they should. They, everyone should know about the song. The drop in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it's one of those silly things that I'll listen to and I'll fixate on for 30 minutes and then I'm like, ugh, I never want to hear this again. <laughs> so last week was my first business trip in like years at this point, right? Like pre-COVID. So I guess uh TC nineteen was the last time I actually traveled in person for for work. So um, I traveled up to New York, uh, where you live, yeah. Because um, we were at the data school last week, and it wasn't just us. So, what was the deal with the data? School? Like, what were we doing exactly? And I'm asking in part for people listening, but also, like, imagine I don't know what we were doing. Explain it to me. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, part of being a data schooler, being in that program in your four months of intense classroom training is that um, you do client projects. And so these client projects are free of charge to the client, um, other than, you know, the time you have to put in to prepare them, but give each of the eight data schoolers in a cohort a chance to, you know, be a project manager and, and run the project, uh, work together and it just generally a client experience, get them ready to be thrown into the magical world of Tableau and Alteryx consulting, <laughs> which is what's gonna happen at the end of their four months. Um, so I, uh, this time I, I went from being a, you know, a data schooler back in DS5 in London, UK to being the client on a data school project. So JLL came in uh, with, their client project week. And what was super unique about this week was that not only did we run it in New York, but we were running the same client project at different data school locations around the globe. Uh, same project all at the same time. So we were in New York. We had uh, my coworker CJ Mays in London and Margarita Moya leading the project in Melbourne, Australia. So very cool. And the project itself was to make over a lot of um, older dashboards that got put together before our biz guidelines and, and biz standards came out. So they weren't, they're not in the right colors. They just, they don't have that look and feel that, that we like to see. So everybody got to do a makeover and you and I were um, there to, you know, kick off, explain the project, but then advise throughout the week. So that's why um, I said at the beginning, uh, I, I was nervous that we we might not be on the same page. Um, I guess I, I was like, well, the worst that could happen is someone comes to me and asks a question and I say one thing and then they ask you and you say the exact opposite. Um, but, you know, then I was like, you know what, if that happens, it happens. It's that's that's real world stuff. Sometimes you have a dashboard that's serving multiple clients and not all of them have the same agenda. So, you know, ultimately it will be up to them to figure out which advice do I listen to and, and what do I want to go with? It was really luckily, cool for me. Worked out. It worked out brilliantly. <laughs> so like the experience is, you know, Monday we sort of sweep in and we introduce them to the project. 
And then Friday afternoon from three to five, they were, they were, you know, reviewing it with us. And I, I have always been amazed by the data school and the data schoolers that come out of it, you among them, um, because I'm just sort of amazed at sort of the talent and sophistication of their work, you know, especially since so many of these people might not have had much experience prior to going through the data school. And then they come out the other side and, you know, they're very, not, not like worldly, but, you know, they're very skilled at what they're doing. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. Uh, so this cohort's been what, they're three months into their four month track kind of. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I also didn't know that. And I think some of, some of our colleagues maybe didn't know is that even while they're working on a project, their mornings are project time, their afternoon is they're continuing to learn. So there was like, Oh yeah. Like an afternoon. Hey, we're learning APIs this afternoon. We're just working on that. So the fact that they turn these results around in like essentially two business days mm -hmm. was phenomenal. I, I was really surprised by the outcome because every single dashboard that we received back from the data schoolers looked like something that easily we would find on our corporate servers. And it's not just the fact that they updated things to Viz standards. In many cases, they, you know, changed charts for stuff that they thought would be better suited. And in like most cases, it was. And in other cases, they had recommendations for, hey, you know, we had a limited window of time to work on this. But if we were to come back and do more work on this, these are the other three things I would suggest doing. And that's one of those things that's like a professional maturity thing where I was so stunned. It's like, holy cow, like they're so early in their journey and already they're learning how important it is to, you know, have like a pitch for what else you might do or, or to, to demonstrate that you put more thought into it than just, you know, showing what what's on the page. Exactly. It wasn't, you know, just making it the right font, the right color. Um, in a lot of cases, they took dashboards and and made you know improved the the clarity and and made them um i know this is kind of a, a misconception but it's actually very difficult to make a simple dashboard that is you can look at it easily digestible the end user knows straight away you know what's important what what to focus on and the story is just there um because I very early on, you're tempted to just throw everything under the sun in, into a dashboard when you're when you're learning to say, oh, look, I can do this or this this magical trick. But to to really have a dashboard be calm and uncluttered um, and and tell that story succinctly is is tough to do. So I was I was pretty blown away. And an additional like level of difficulty in their case is this is masked data. So in many cases, <laughs> you know, they might have like you know, the field name, but the contents of that field are nonsense. So it's really hard to make a dashboard when you're looking at it and you can't even like, you know, if it's like a property or a location and it's just like a nonsense string, you know, it's like that can really mess with your head. Um, but they were like dead on and they asked like really good questions. Really great questions that it wasn't. Sometimes you can have people who are asking a lot of questions but they aren't necessarily the right questions. But every single time I, I met with, with one of them, they had good questions. They were on the right track. They were asking the right things, the sort of high level, big picture of the dashboards versus, um, you know, a sort of nitty gritty focused stuff. So what was it like, like you having been a data school yourself? And I know you went to data school in the UK and were you the first American to go through the data school in the UK? Yeah. 
So what was that like for you? Like, how did you decide this was something you wanted to do? You know, obviously that's a big commitment, you know, sort of dropping your current mm -hmm. career path and moving to a different continent. Uh, like what's, what's your journey? I want to know about your stuff. So um, I actually, I was already on a different continent. Uh, I moved to the UK in 2006, 2007 ish um, to get my MBA at London Business School. It, I applied on a whim. I knew it was very selective. I didn't think I would ever get in, um, but then I did. And so I was like, oh, shoot, now I have to go, right? <laughs> like, this is it. I've got to figure out, get myself together, uh, figure out what to do. And, and I loved that experience. Um, the MBA was great. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about different cultures, uh, different, you know, business models, you know, and, along with the, the typical stuff that you get. Uh, and then when I graduated in 2009, the world had changed a bit. So my ideal career path of investment banking didn't seem that realistic anymore, given what had just happened in 2008, where the top five investment banks in the world had literally just folded and crumbled. Uh, uh, so not the, the greatest timing for your prospects wise. So I just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to apply both in New York City or and, and in London and wherever I get, you know, employed first is, is where I'm going to stay. And it just so happens the first people to um, and, and give me a job offer. We're, we're in London. So I, I ended up staying what I thought was going to be a quick two years European adventure ended up being um, over a decade in, in Europe. And, and I absolutely loved it. But what I was doing after the MBA was still very much, it wasn't investment banking, but it was very much finance, um, FP&A accounting type stuff. I lived in Excel hell. <laughs> um, and I just thought that I, you know, those people like find what you, you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Or, you know, those, those quotes are like, that's, that's just garbage. People say that's not, that's not real. Everyone hates their job. We're just getting through it. You just have to do it. It is what it is. And then, uh, one day I, at the company I was working at, we got invited to see a demo of this new fancy product. I'm not sure how new it was at that point, uh, called Tableau. And I was initially like, oh God, another tool I have to learn. What is this? But after the demonstration, I was, I was blown away. I was like, wow, this is like wizard level magic. You are creating charts and moving. You can go from months to weeks to exact days without having to redo your whole data in Excel. Um, you know, you can put images behind charts. It's just, it, it blew my mind, uh, the possibilities, what you could do. And I just said, this, I want to do this. This is it, you know, take me there. Um, so I, we had hired a Tableau consultant at, at the company after the demonstration. And I just bugged the, the crap out of him, honestly, for the next <laughs> however long he was there. I was like, how do you do this? What are you doing now? Can teach me this, teach me that. He was like, you know what? You, you should really look into this thing called the data school. If you were really serious about this. And I was like, what? Okay. Cause I need, I just, I knew I wanted to do this all day, every day. 
Um, and at first when I looked at the data school, it kind of seemed a bit like a scam um, because I was one of the earlier classes that obviously didn't have the, the proven track record that it does now. It's like, okay, so there's four months of really intense classroom training. Okay, okay. And then you have to, you know, consult for three, six months placements, all right, so you're committing to this amount. Um, but there, you know, I was like, so how much does it cost to go? Like, how much am I paying for this training? They're like, no, 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 we'll pay you. We'll pay you very little, but we'll pay you. And I was like, um, what? What's like, what is the catch? This seems like <laughs> definitely I'm, I'm, I don't, like if there was such thing as, as a, as a master's in, in, Tableau or data viz, like data school would would be it. Um, so I yeah, I, I signed up and I met Andy Creevel for a coffee one day and and that was that. I was I was in, was on on my way. So let me ask you this, and I sort of sparked this yesterday on Twitter, bringing up the fact that I don't think my MBA has made a lick of difference in my career. Um, in terms of that obviously the data school has been a huge um factor in your personal career success and journey if you could have foregone the mba and just gone straight to the data school like if you had known about that at the time do you think in retrospect you would have done that mm, hard to say i would still say no i think i gained a lot from from my mba I mean, not necessarily that i'm putting into immediate practical use career wise but um the things that i learned there like how to think different business models things about uh, marketing supply chain supply and demand really helped me when i was a consultant and you're thrown into a project and you have to very quickly sometimes in a day uh, you know, understand a brand new industry to you, but have understand the, the data, like a, the bare minimum of context in order to produce what they want. Um, and it, I have to say, I found my MBA really helpful with thinking about things. I'm like, okay, well, if I was in their shoes or if I was running this business, what would be important to me? How would I think about that? So really putting myself in the client's shoes and thinking about if I was running this company or, or I understand this is sort of how it works and this is the the profit model, what metrics would be important to me. And so that has really helped me add things like that, that wow factor or things that the client didn't necessarily ask for, but didn't know they wanted, right? So it's like deliver exactly what they asked for and a bit more. Uh, surprise and delight to borrow your phrase. <laughs> That's a great point. A surprise and delight. Soft skills, Zach. That's my new nickname at work, by the way, soft skills, Zach, because I've done uh, several presentations on soft skills since so many of the presentations we typically do at work. And when we think about Skillshare, we think about, you know, actual like hands-on, like technical application. And so many times, many of the skills that we want or need or might actually help us in the moment might be softer skills. So I'm, I'm working on those myself and trying to balance those out. But that's an interesting take. So my education, I was getting a management information systems degree. And while I was pursuing mm -hmm. that, I discovered marketing and found I really like that, even though they're very different um, because they're both in the business school, you have the same core classes. So I was able to essentially double major just by taking some extra summer classes. And then afterwards, I went straight into my MBA because I had trouble finding work. But it's interesting, um, the perspective that education can bring, because I remember when I was early in my IT career, 
Um, I wasn't sort of satisfied completely. It's just being a developer. And I discovered I like being a business analyst more because I was sort of in the middle. So I was technical enough to understand what needed to be done, but I was also sort of personal enough and business savvy enough to understand what the client was looking for. And now, like I essentially deliver that entire chain myself, um, you know, as, as a, a senior specialist, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way. Cause so many times I think of a lot of our degrees to a degree as being credentialing where we're saying like, Hey, look, here's a rubber stamp that said, I know something now teach me everything I need to do this job. Because for many of us, particularly with early jobs, you actually know nothing going in and yeah. the degree is just a way of showing that you can learn something. Um, but yeah, I think the data school is a really interesting example because in a world where, you know, apprenticeships used to be like the primary method people learned a career path and in many, what we call blue collar careers, you know, where it's more hands-on, like, you know, whether it be, you know, a hair school or plumbing or electrical, you know, all jobs that can actually earn really great money. Um, you actually just have to learn from someone else hands-on and in what we consider the more white collar skills, you know, there isn't as much of that, but the data school is a shining example of successful modern day apprenticeship where it's like, Hey, look, we're going to sit you down. You're going to have this intensive training. And then you're sort of still under our umbrella for what the next two years you have six, mm -hmm. four placements, six months each or so. Yeah. But yeah, exactly right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm super happy uh, with my choice uh, other than, you know, in addition to making lifelong friends, obviously both, both in the MBA and at, and at data school. Um, the other thing I think, or class that I, I use regularly still is um, organizational behavior of change management. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you're trying to uh, influence the hearts and minds or get people to, to change, you know, like, hey, so I know you're used to running your entire business on these Excel spreadsheets. Let's think about using this interactive chart instead. Uh, how to... Uh, lay that out in a very soft skills way that doesn't uh, scare them off immediately, right? How to to give them a path, baby steps into it and, and just approach it the right way. I've uh, I've heard it described as, I think I read a book and I also saw, uh, heard on the Freakonomics podcast, but like the idea of the nudge where you're sort of gently incrementally conditioning someone to get used to a, a different method of doing something by like, here's a small change, like, you know, you said you you said you want to see the data, meaning they want a tabular view. What if, you know, like Steve Wexler talks about the uh, marginal histogram where he's got the, um, you know, the highlight chart with two bar charts extending from either side. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, like not only can I immediately tell you between these two things what the highest and lowest values are, but then across each of them, I can tell you what the highest and lowest are. It's you get access to all this data instantly instead of sort of tracing down columns and, you know, sorting and resorting. Um, so finding ways where you can take the thing they're familiar with and make it a little better. And then next time you propose something, they're already a little further along and you can say, well, hold on, maybe we have something even better than that. What do you think about this? And just sort of slowly introducing, I mean, sometimes we have that opportunity with clients. Um, you know, in your case, I'm kind of your client, right? Like we're, we're at the same company, but we're not on the same team. Like my team's objective is we make the deliverables that go to the clients and your team's objective is you sort of set the standards and like help educate everyone and move everyone along in their skill set. So mm -hmm. like we work together, but we don't necessarily actually have like the same end objective. Like I am sort right. of like your output, and like my output is what the client sees. So it's interesting how 
you know, you, you guys work to sort of nudge us along by incrementing our skills and moving us along. And in the same way, we're trying to do that with clients through client relationships. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving this, this new job so far. Um, nudging, <laughs> nudging people along. That's just, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> Laura Peterson, professional nudge. Yeah, well, as opposed to dragging people with me, whether they like it or not, <laughs> I definitely prefer the nudge. <laughs> I mean, the, the the nudge is definitely better, and it's it's also more carrot than stick, right? Like the yeah. dragging is all stick, and and people are resistant. And if people people don't want to do something, they'll find any way on earth not to do it. But it's yes. like when it's like hey, clearly, look, this is this is to your benefit, and you know, look, just give it a try. Like try this part, and then if you like that, have a little more, and you know. And then before you know it, people are advancing and moving along, getting better. Yeah, I think the fact that I've done was in your role at, at JLL for three years before I transitioned into the, my current role, the director of DI enablement for the Americas region, gives me the, the perspective of both sides where I can really clearly see what's motivating both people. Um, so there's, there's a, less of a disconnect between uh you know aligning our objectives and so i i can really bridge that gap and see okay well if if i was still doing this how would this be helpful or how would i want this introduced what would be the best way to take advantage of the tools that our team is is building to, to truly try to off like standardize things across the company to make things fair and transparent and to break down silos for different teams I mean, can you imagine not that long ago, you you were working on your team with your manager, other people working over there. You were both creating dashboards for different clients on the same topic and have no, no inkling of what anybody else is doing, just reinventing the wheel. So um, we're all about breaking down those barriers, building up community and, and like you said, upskilling and, you know, building people up on their career, teaching, coaching. I can't imagine, Laura, because I've worked in those places before. But um, to that end, like I was going to say, like what you're talking about, you know, sort of like knowing what people in my role are looking for and needing and stuff. That's interesting. I was thinking about that because I did two soft skills presentations this past week, one at the data school, which is surprise and delight, which is about understanding your client and sort of talking to them and, and communicating with them in the way that's effective. So not every client's the same, obviously, right? Like okay. some of them, some of them already know everything they need. And some of them really understand the big picture. They understand BI and they're essentially able to just hand you an assignment. You do the assignment and you're done. And in many other cases, they might not even know the BI direction they're needing. They might have a general idea, but they're, they might need some handholding. They might need a therapist. They might need someone pitching new ideas. You know, not everyone wants to be talked to on the same cadence or the same frequency or the same levels of detail. Some people set up a weekly meeting, you know, and and keep and keep them informed about what's going on. Others, you know, are just okay with a weekly update email. And in all cases, like regardless of how great your work is, if the right people don't hear about it, you might as well be doing nothing. But like then my presentation at the tug was about like sort of knowing yourself. And that was my visionary velocity, which is about you know, finding ways to make learning fun for yourself, because I know for me, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, what I'm doing right now in this career, and I wouldn't be doing this podcast 
if I didn't find things in data that kept me excited about learning and kept me going. So, you know, I, I sort of pivoted from just doing some of the community projects that I saw that weren't always exciting to me to making more of my own. And that's what sort of powered me through and got me, you know, got me going, you know, it's, it's easy to burn out sometimes if you're not finding stuff that excites you. So, you know, it, you know, exciting the client, um, by finding the way to communicate with them and also understanding yourself, what makes you tick and what's going to make, you know, the sustainable, because you're going to have to keep learning through the rest of your career. You're never going to like have all the skills and just be done. Right. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I got to do this week was uh, have an, an offsite with um, some of the JLL leadership. And we did one of those uh, team building exercises that evaluates your your score to your, your strengths. Um, not not along the lines of a Myers-Briggs test, but you know, everybody in the group took it and we all saw what everybody else got. And we're like, oh, oh, okay, you you think like this, you think like that. And it's one of those things where it's not to say like just because I'm um less of a I need less clarity and certainty and I'm I'm okay with that I can you know I entered this podcast you sent me an invite I accepted this podcast invite we we didn't discuss agenda what we were going to be talking about nothing um whereas other people really need and and work better with with a really structured itemized list and and detailed going into things so it's not to say that I can't create an organized list, but my natural instincts are to to do these things. And and you playing to your strengths, your strengths will grow more than if you know you're trying to grow your weaknesses. I mean, you'll you'll grow your weakness, but your strength will grow exponentially versus is trying to to grow something you're weak at. So learning how you think, how other people think, being able to surround yourself um with people that balance you and just and knowing you know, your preferences, what you like, how, what motivates you in your job, you know, in, inside or out of Tableau really, really makes a difference sort of career-wise and keeps you you going. But I definitely love Tableau for the, the infinite possibilities, the the fun art <laughs> that, that you can make, uh, you know, totally not <laughs> business related, but just the, the fun stuff that you can do in the tool is, is never ending. I mean, that's why I tell people it's, you know, they're like, why are you using a BI tool like in your spare time for fun? I'm like, well, that's like, why are you using a pencil? You're not at school. Like, you know, yeah. it's 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 a, just a tool and sort of what you can do with it is limited by your capacity and imagination. But yeah, I think you're right. Like I've thought, I've thought you know, in recent years about sort of how everyone's different skills, you know, sort of the things they're great at and the things that they're they're not as good at. And, you know, there's always the temptation, like, I'm just going to become the master of everything. Like, I'm going to grind on the stuff I'm bad at. And there's a certain, you know, there's a certain amount that you have to do that. Like, right, like, even within Tableau, there's plenty of stuff that's not my natural aptitude that I have to work a little harder at. But it's important I know how to do it and I sort of understand how to do it. But it might never be something I'm amazing at. But there are other things I'm good at and sort of trying to expand on those. And that's one of the reasons I'm sort of, you know, pushing more soft skills lately in a lot of presentations I have, because sometimes your soft skills actually can make up for, you know, not deficiencies in your hard skills, but maybe you don't have to make that thing. If you can help the client better understand what the situation is like sometimes through better communication, what you're planning on doing might not 
even be necessary. Yeah. Client communication uh, is so critical and to develop those soft skills is so much more necessary now that we, uh, you know, post pandemic world where so many people are 100% remote working, um, where you can't just turn to the person next to you at the office and be like, shoulder tap, hey, what do you think of this? Or, or let me let me run this by you. You need to be more more direct and and concise and to the point uh, with with your updates with coworkers as as well as clients. Um, so, I I that soft skills muscle I feel like is often overlooked, but like the unsung hero. What what's what turns a you know a good BI analyst to a, a great BI analyst? I think um, some of the things I've learned over the years, and these are just a couple of my tips. And one, the, one of the first ones is I had a systems analysis and design professor in college who his sort of treatise, I had him both in college and grad school. His treatise was a system is what you define it to be. And a lot of people pushed back at first and sort of felt it was a cop-out answer. And his premise is that if you're unable to define scope, everything is in scope. And once you start to think about that, like you start to think about what is my objective? If I don't have an objective, then you you can never possibly win. Like you can never be done. You know, your client will never be satisfied unless you're able to sort of at least pinpoint a deliverable of some kind. Then it's just a quagmire. Um, and once you understand that, then you can actually succeed. You know, it's like otherwise, if you feel like everything is a possibility, then it's there. There is no winning. And one of the other things is asking for what you need or saying what you need or admitting what you don't know. So, you know, I'm in a situation right now where I'm having to come up with a different place to put some data and it needs to be accessible. It also needs to be secure and it needs to be able to hold a good deal of data. And, you know, I'm asking around my team and some other sources, like, what would you do in this case? Because some of the typical options I would use are off the table. Mm -hmm. So rather than feeling like going cowboy and feeling like I need to figure this all out on my own, I'm tapping into my network of resources because other people may have done this. Other people may have ideas. And honestly, in many cases, there's not really bonus points for knowing everything. We all live yeah. in a world where Google exists and you have teammates. So like, don't feel like you're supposed to know everything all the time. Your job is really to just work your way towards solutions. So if you have to ask your boss for feedback or reach out to teammates or do some Googling or reach out to the data fam, those are all things that are part of your skill set and responsibility, you know? That's so well said. It's, it's not your job to know all the answers. It's your job to know how to find answers quickly. Right. And that goes back to yeah. that the whole learning thing. You know, we were talking about how you know, our degrees just a way of like certifying that you can learn and in a degree they kind of are right. Like, because it's like, look, you were able to take, I don't know, 21 hours worth of classes a year for however many years and you completed them in a satisfactory way. So obviously you can work hard and learn something, you know? So in the same way, like that's kind of what we all do every day. You have different tasks and you're supposed to figure out how to do them. And if you had obstacles, you should tell people that you have obstacles and not sit on them and, you know, let it sort of fester. But, you know, some of that's professional maturity, some of that's, um, you know, experience, but all that's a, a place that people get to as they sort of work on it, you know? Yeah, being able to identify roadblocks in your your process or, you know, on your path to your goal is, is kind of really critical. And... Um, 
you know, the same goes for, for being uh, a manager. I think, you know, great managers are the ones who identify and are removing the roadblocks for, you know, content creators. Um, whether that be too much client contact or, or too many meetings, or there's the skill or the software that, that we need, that there's something missing. There's a big hole here that we, that we need to fill. So if you're uh, on the creator side of things, being able to articulate what you need, what you don't have uh, to your manager, if, if they're not one of those <laughs> uh that person who has all, all the time in the world and is in the, in the weeds with you to anticipate those needs, but really communicating what what your roadblocks are uh, and, and how to get them out of the way. Those were always when we would do team updates or um, all hands sort of just go around the room saying, all right, what's what's your project status? What are your priorities this week? And what do you need to get done? It, it, you know, people who were newer would just talk about the projects they were working on and, and the progress that they made. And I would talk about the project I was working on and what I needed to, to get to the next point, right? So that's it's changing your perspective um, of being reporting on the past versus reporting on, on what I need to, to move forward quickly. 100%. I think that's, that's one of the maturity things, like not only being able to express what has been done, but what comes next and what could block that if it doesn't happen, you know, making sure that all the people involved understand and that if it's someone else's responsibility, making sure that that's in bold and that that person knows, hey, look, I, I need this from you. And if we don't have that, this is going to slide. Also having a paper trail. Paper trails are always great. Very true. <laughs> Well, Laura, this has been really awesome. It was great hanging out with you last week. And before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask if there was anything you wanted to shout out or promote today. Oh, wow. Great question. Um, yes. Uh, since I'm a Tableau Forums ambassador, I always want to promote going to the forum. If you have a question that you need solved in Tableau and, and your colleagues internally you know, don't, don't know the answers or you don't want to ask, Hop over there. Uh, it's a great place to be. Um, also, I am speaking at the Austin or Texas Tug uh, um, on September 15th. So give that a listen if you're available. Awesome. So check out both. Hit up the forums if you have questions and need help. Plenty of valuable resources. And check out the Texas Tug to see Laura live. Yay. Awesome talking to you, Laura. I hope you have a great week. Thanks. You too, Zach. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. 
Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you can get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.